when I wrote Encore, I wanted to have a song that we could play as an encore um, for our trio shows, which at that point, which is, uh, I think we re recorded this in 2009, so that's three years of playing together as a trio, but it's already uh, one year of playing uh, live without a set list. 2008, we decided to abandon all set lists, all agreements, all arrangements. So each time we went on stage, we didn't know what we were going to play. And uh, this led to a greater development of our interplay and our ability to listen to each other closely. And yeah, I think it was a big step for us to, to make this decision in 2008. So it led also to us playing continuous sets. And then after playing two sets like that, we were usually at a loss of uh, for ideas, you know, what, what should we do now? So I wrote this song, but funnily, uh, it actually ended up inside of the sets already, so we needed to play something else sometimes. It's made up out of uh, three sections. And right now we're in the second section, which is four chords. Each one has two bars. And uh, it's all in five. Robert has already moved away from the written bass line, but I think we're going back to it to make clear that we want to go to the next section. baseline again <laughs> but I think we're yeah we're about to go to the next section the little interlude yeah this is the coda of the piece I always liked how Jonas superimposed the swing feel on top of that 5-4 figure that Robert and Mia playing always made sure to stick to the <laughs> to the figure because I got you know I got lost pretty pretty quickly when Jonas would do that but yeah we somehow managed to find an ending together yeah so when we went into the studio to record our second album after we yeah uh, had changed our live concept um, we felt we wanted to document this live concept in the studio, which was quite a challenge to do this without an audience because it's, it's just so different. So we started out by uh, not saying which tune we would play and just see where we would end up. We all knew the repertoire at that point very well, so we could move into certain pieces 
when we felt like it. And I think uh, this song started out like this. Jonas introducing a, a, yeah, a texture and I, I come in with this harmonic thing, which is actually the, the first two chords of the intro of I Have a Dream by Herbie Hancock. Robert is introducing the bass line because he understood what it did uh, harmonically. But how we're going to play the song, that wasn't clear. We kind of feel it out. transcribed uh, Herbie's song, I Have a Dream, which is one of my favorite songs of his, and it's on my favorite Herbie record, The Prisoner. But in our version, we don't play uh, kind of the, we leave out one section. started out actually just trying to play full sets in the studio without an audience but we quickly realized that it's, we weren't uh, up for that challenge yet so we just started to have uh, this concept in a compromised uh, compromised is the wrong word compressed uh, fashion which is just yeah, we're going to play a song but we don't know which song is going to be In a way, it lets you find the song. You discover the song, even if it's yeah, if it's something that you know very well. That entry point is a special one. Closely, you can hear me sing along a little bit, which is something that I did quite often during that time. It really helped me to connect more to what is inside me uh, as opposed to what is in my fingers. I got closer to that. And singing along kind of helps you in that way.
you play with people long enough, you kind of develop a sense where uh, you breathe together and you kind of uh, uh, yeah, sense when somebody's finishing a solo or a thought or a movement, a gesture. And I think that's what happened at the end of this piano solo. And I think it's something similar is happening in the ending now, trying to find a way out. <laughs> I remember I couldn't take yeah I couldn't take this this uh, triad, so I added another note. And I think Robert had the same feeling, so he also added another note. You never know where you land on. <laughs> Desire uh, was a song that we actually didn't really play in the trio. It wasn't really in the trio repertoire. It was in the repertoire of a band that we played in with the trio called uh, Lieblingsband, a great singer and friend of ours, Tobias Christel. So that ha also happened with the trio. I mean. We had so many songs in our trio repertoire, but we also played in other bands as a rhythm section. So all these other pieces also wound up in our repertoire, which is kind of, yeah, growing with each rehearsal with another band or... All becoming part of a bigger pool of songs that we could go into if we wanted to in live situations. So this was another instant. Instant? I think so. This was another moment uh, where we started without having a, yeah, a goal, a, a piece which we wouldn't want to land on or something. I just started playing. And I remember so well how those guys wouldn't come in and they wouldn't come in, so I, I kept introducing songs. Right now I'm playing Melody, the song Melody from our first record. Nobody's coming in. And you can hear me uh, trying to, yeah, feed the guys something to, to hold on to. But also, I'm trying to enjoy this situation also in a way where I'm telling myself, yeah, it's okay. If they don't come in, it's just a solo piano situation. So right now I'm moving into another song of mine, which is called Moon 44, which will be heard later on in the record. Moon 44 was actually also connected to a melody. This is another section from Moon 44. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, I can hear myself thinking a little bit here. The music is still enjoyable, but still, um, I can hear myself thinking like, yeah, guys, this would be a nice moment to come in. a little hint as well from a composition of mine called Klartraum which we will we'll hear later on, on in the record. It's back again, playing with material from Moon 44 and Melody. <laughs> That's Klartraum. Man, I'm, I'm <laughs> juggling with pieces. I think this is, yeah, this is Desire, and only a four-bar vamp, at, which is at the end of Desire. Finally. So Robert and Jonas being courageous as they are and also uh, strong-willed or how could you say it, I mean, their decision not to play here which was uh, creating a real space for me to play also, which is, uh, yeah, I'm thankful for that. That's connected to something like a kind of a mantra that we had during that time. Whenever we would go on stage, we, we would tell ourselves before entering the stage, let's only play what we hear. Let's only play what we hear. And if we don't hear anything, we don't play. And I think that's something that happened here. Moon 44 was actually only a sketch when we entered the studio. And I think this take was actually a moment when we decided, okay, let's play, let's play this one. So we start right on. 
But it's based on a few bars from a melody piece from our first record. Melody is quite um, yeah, ballad-like and, and uh, not much happening. And I was always in awe of Wayne Shorter taking a piece that he knows very well and we all know very well to be one type of thing and then look at it from another perspective and finding other stuff in it. So I tried to do that with melody and yeah, formed this sketch out of it. It's a five-bar vamp. One, two, three, four. This is, this is middle section, which is something to yeah to bridge something. And now we're in the third section, which is a. Yeah, I mean, I just borrowed it from Melody. It's basically six bars from Melody. And it's used for um, yeah, piano solo. Moon 44 um, is the name of a movie by Roland Emmerich. It's a pretty shitty movie. Uh, I think it's his first movie. Kind of a space science fiction um, movie that was uh, filmed in southern Germany and uh, actually our producer and great friend Jason Seitzer who recorded this album and produced it he had a small role in this movie so um, he was one of the navigators uh, that was actually the first title for the song because we needed a title for the song we said alright let's dedicate this to Jason so we call it the Navigator, but then yeah, we thought Moon 44 was a better, better title. So yeah, it's a dedicating, dedicated uh, thing for him. I think, yeah, now we're returning to the five bar vamp. That's how we end also, on the two, yeah. O Sacrum Convivium is a beautiful uh, piece for choir by Olivier Messiaen. Olivier Messiaen is one of my uh, favorite composers and yeah, big influences on a lot of levels. And I was introduced by his music, uh, I was introduced to his music by my great teacher and mentor, Hubert Nuss. I think uh, one year before this record was done, he gave me a birthday present with uh, only uh, acquired pieces by Olivier Messiaen. A great, great album on, I think, Deutsche Grammophon. And... Um, this piece was on there and I was immediately struck by it. So I uh, tried to transcribe it, which was um, um, a challenge, but also it wasn't uh, extremely hard, like one would think maybe, because it was just super slow and 
only four voices. And I learned a lot by transcribing it. And um, yeah, I brought it to the trio right before we went into the studio, I think. And we started playing it. And we're not playing it verbatim. I mean, we're playing uh, we're playing around with the basic information. I'm playing more or less what's written, or what I wrote down, <laughs> what I thought was the composition. But I'm also adding things, like I would play a standard maybe. Still trying to honor the original composition, but yeah, moving in, in my own tempo, in our own tempo. And I basically told Robert and Jonas to just do whatever around it. I remember it was a quite a challenge <laughs> when I transcribed it at the end of the piece. The choir had moved uh, pitch-wise almost a semitone. So it was hard to write it down at the end. That's my favorite moment. I mean, from the composition. And I think this piece also, a lot of people are attracted to, to this composition by Olivier Messiaen. Just heard a I mean, last year a great album by Ben Monder came out and he, he played it too. I always envisioned this next moment for being like a sun, sun rising. That's how I hear it in the original piece and we try to capture that a little bit. Nearness is one of the many songs I, I, I wrote for my uh, wife, Sonia. Back then, we, I think we were together for one year. And um, this song, I think, I'm not sure if we edited this, actually, um, because we start in the middle of the song here. We start in the solo form. And it's... Yeah, it's actually a four-page composition and we start in the middle. So I, I assume we might have played something before that and we just felt like, yeah, this is where, where it's happening. <laughs> uh, so we maybe have edited that out. Or oh, it was a conscious decision, I don't remember. Might have been a conscious decision also to just start in the solo form. Actually, just moves uh, back and forth between two tonalities. I think it's G flat major. Mm -hmm. 
Ethernet Major. Robert, Jonas, and me play together here on the whole record is. Yeah, we went further into a kind of complementary playing where we kind of feel. Oh! <laughs> yeah, sorry for stopping, but um, in this moment we just played a musical cue that was linked to an older piece of mine called Forest of Oblivion. We had this cue to, uh, to, yeah, we used the melody of that song, uh, a fragment of the melody for, of that song, to, to slow down, which just happened. And now we're out of the solo section. Now we sped up again, but without a cue, so we just did it. Which is a realization that we had, you know, uh, after a while we felt like, yeah, maybe we don't need the musical cues to speed up or slow down or play in another time signature. Maybe we can just do it. And the clearer we make it for the others, the better it will work. So that kind of changed our playing and made it more clear and also it, it changed the way we would listen to each other. And of course, the better you know each other, the better you can understand if something is a music cue or just a, an idea or a mistake or whatever. Lock Lady was inspired by the Lock Lady from Twin Peaks, a great uh, TV series by David Lynch. And um, yeah, I was um, really into that series, watched it a couple of times, and Robert and Jonas were the, the guys who uh, told me to, to check it out. And I wrote this on one day in my old apartment uh, where a lot of musicians lived in that house. Um, we could play all day, rehearse all day and, and yeah, hang all day. Uh, I have great rem remembrances of, of that house. And um, I, I wrote this on a rainy day, um, just playing around with this figure. 
And I remember when the record came out and I gave it to my friend Christoph Möcke, who was my neighbor, who, who lived un, under me, below me. Um, he, he told me that to him it sounded like that day, totally. It captured a, a kind of a mood for him. And I think I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much stay, uh, sticking to what's written. And we might have decided that Robert is, is doubling the melody. And Eunice has a carte blanche <laughs> to do whatever. And I love how he's propelling the things from below and, and doing interesting things top of the, the written stuff. I also see chords written down here at some point in the sheet music, but we never played them. And I think we're already ending the piece. Music is a song that we have been playing for a long time. Um, I think I wrote it in 2007. And yeah, um, it was a piece that I brought into rehearsal, trio rehearsal, and I didn't have a title. So Jonas had a, a, um, a cheesy uh, Japanese signboard. <laughs> Japanese letters, I don't know, uh, a board for, for, yeah, for letters, um, kind of a poster behind the drums, it's kind of cheesy. And one of the letters um, said music, so he, <laughs> he draw that letter, the Japanese letter on the sheet, and that's how he kind of named the piece. So, um, yeah, sometimes... <laughs> Yeah, I really advise people to name their songs properly because it can end up that uh, a title like that can end up being the record title because <laughs> the producer or the, the label guys decide that this is a good title for the record. But I also found it funny. Pablo had music. I was fine with it. Pablo had music. Why not? Um, yeah, I mean... The composition, I think it's it's basically uh, inspired by Wayne Shorter again. And the solo section is actually 12 bars, and I thought of it, of, thought of it as a little bit like a blues. It's only um, three uh, sus chords that we can interpret it in, in a lot of ways, obviously, but uh, that's where we started with that uh, bass figure that actually ended up to be a musical cue in the beginning to go into seven, which happens here. Because Robert, I think, is at one point modifying that, um, that bass figure that is now in four. <laughs> I think it's happening now. 
yeah, now we're in seven. Yeah, as I said earlier, at one point we decided not to use this as a cue anymore. We just move to seven if we feel like it. And I think during the course of this solo, we're also moving back to four again. But without giving each other a cue, just trying to make it as clear as possible to ourselves. Yeah, finally a bass solo. Robert is playing not over this 12-bar form of uh, sus chords. He's playing over the form of the changes, which is quite challenging. Robert does a great job. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to this uh, for a long time because, you know, whenever you have to mix a record or decide for takes, you obviously listen to them lot of times to be sure that this is the right take. So I know Robert solo quite well. Now I'm superimposing the melody of the piece onto Robert solo. That's it. There's no, yeah. There's no full head out at the end. I think we're just vamping out uh, on the last uh, vamp. When we started going on on stage without uh, knowing which songs we're going to play and how we're going to play them, I started to write more for this situation. I think the songs before that, or right when we started doing that, were still from yeah the first kind of um, trio repertoire. And this uh, song, Klartraum, was, um, which is... Uh, German for a lucid dream, meaning a dream where you can decide where you, how it, yeah, where you can alter the, the course of the dream, which I, during that time, I had this quite often. Um, so this is the first composition I think I wrote for the trio, which re really was thought, uh, yeah, I thought about 
playing live with the trio and having no agenda of when we would play one song. And I wanted to capture this thing and this concept in one song also, one composition. So there's a lot of moments in this song, we just reached one of them, where there's something suggested, but still it's like you can imagine like a map of a country or an area and you reach a certain point and there's a question mark. This is one of those question marks. It has a suggested groove, but I'm already playing the next cue, which leads to the next melody. So we're, we were done with the question mark. love how Robert plays this melody. This is improvised now. But having Robert, yeah, Robert's ability to, to play arco like that really extended the, the, the sound of the trio, I think, into a, something that's more orchestral, that I was trying to head towards. Also with the colors I tried to incorporate in my in my compositions, I think there's a lot of nods to uh, Maurice Ravel in this piece. There's another one. We reached another moment like this. In the sheet music, it says rubato groove. Robert played the rubato groove but we're already in the next section. There's the next moment where we stay, and it isn't marked how long we stay there. this to be an, an orchestra. And also I w always came back to that first initial melody. Like having a character in a, in a, in a story, but that character going through different stages different areas. Yeah, we reached another one of those question mark moments, question mark um, vamps. I love Robert solo on this. And Jonas is reintroducing a groove that we usually, that he usually played on a piece called Forest of Oblivion, the name of our first record. 
And Robert also just hinted that melody. with the melody that's written in the bass. So here's the build up to the last section. Again, playing with the initial, initial melody, but something different has happened to this character. and edit now. Yep. <laughs> that came from another take. That's the last section. Again, you can hear me sing along. Yeah, sometimes during that time I, I needed to do it as I explained before. that during an energetic moment like this, a rhythmic moment, Robert is playing Arco. Arista was another piece uh, that didn't have a title when we went into the studio. And uh, we named it after a great meal, <laughs> a 
great dish at a uh, Italian place we, we would always go to when we recorded at that first pirouette studio in Munich at Schillerstrasse. And that was a great Italian place. We came back from one of the breaks and uh, had this amazing meal. I think it was pork, <laughs> something. Um, yeah, so we just said, yeah, this is Arista. And I was relieved because in another attempt to give one of my songs a, a dumb title, Jonas named this song Genofefa, which I never liked. So, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> after this time, I mean, I started naming my tunes before the rehearsals. Yeah, and also this song, I, when I brought it to the rehearsal, I had four different sections or something, but no idea how they would fit together. And it was really nice. I remember the process of the trio trying different forms uh, and just putting those four sections or however, however many it, it were in different orders and different uh, repetitions. So it made sense. and. Yeah, it, it became a tune, although it was just a sketch of four different sections that, to me, sounded not really cohe coherent and, and as if they would would fit together. Yeah, so we've kind of built a form together and then decided, yeah, whenever we play it, we play it. And I think that's what ha what's happening here. We play it from top to bottom, but then we just play free. So all of what you're hearing now is free. <laughs> Although, I think if I remember it correctly, yeah, Robert right now is introducing a vamp from uh, Melody again, that piece from the first record I talked about before when we were talking about Moon 44. Um, yeah, Robert is playing a vamp from that that we used to do live as well. We went in and out of this vamp. And he just played it during the free-blowing section of uh, Arista. And I didn't mind that at all. I, I really like stuff like that when pieces overlap when you can put things together in a new way that seemingly don't belong together. I'm not sure if we even go back to the original melody of Arista. also was connected sometimes during live gigs of uh, GLOW, the big ensemble. We would play this right after playing the song GLOW. It's the same key, so it's both of the songs are in E, so it was easy, easy transition. back in Arista 
but in a different tempo now. I wonder if we go back. rehearsals to for this song we kind of decided we would all want to sing this melody <laughs> but I think it's it's only me maybe even Jonas is singing I don't know in the rehearsals he, he definitely sang I don't know if Robert sang 